Georgie, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Thomas J. Sodfet, the Dancing Clown. That's not at all what your name is, but I'm the co-host Vicky Sotvet, and I'm kind of confused. That was my best Tim Curry Pennywise impression. Oh, I see. Uh, so that makes the Scaredy Cats. Uh, today we are the Sewer Clown Edition, because today we are watching It 2017. Uh, so Vicky, obviously the villain of this movie today, can turn into its victim's greatest fears. What would that look like for you, you think? Zombies, probably. Yeah, just turn into a classic zombie. That's a very boring answer, but I'm pretty sure that's what it would turn into, yes. So, you know, some people prefer zombies. For me, it's tough because my greatest fear is an unwinnable situation, so I don't know exactly how... So it would just turn into the lady from that movie that we watched that I can't think of. Scary stories to tell in the dark that horrified me. Blocked it from my mind. It was so distressing. Maybe, yeah. Or just like... A white box that grabs me and I'm stuck in the box and I starve to death in the box. That's unfortunate. <laughs> that's, that's all I can think of. Uh, so yeah, today we are watching uh, It, which I'm looking forward to because I, It, the Stephen King book, was actually the very first novel I ever read when I was like 10. All my teachers were horrified. I think the book was confiscated from me at school like three different times. And eventually mom was like, you, you can read it, but it has to be at home. <laughs> if only so we stop losing copies. Yeah, exactly. I only ever had one book like confiscated from me, and it was a graphic novel in high school. And it was confiscated for being obscene, which is ironic, because the whole point of the graphic novel was to discuss the inherent problematic nature of attempting to censor books for being obscene. I had a graphic novel um, confiscated for me as well. It was, although, to be fair, it was Watchmen by, uh... <laughs> See, I was assigned Watchmen yeah. to read in high school. We did a novel study on this it. This was elementary school. I was okay. in grade five. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, Vicky, what do you know about it? I actually know more than I know for most movies, because this one's kind of in the zeitgeist a lot. So I know the clown is called Pennywise. I know he's got a red balloon. At some point, someone says, we all float down here, or something like that. There's a kid called Georgie, who maybe has a raincoat and a little paper boat that goes into a sewer? Maybe? And I think Pennywise specifically wants to eat children. And I know in the second movie, they're adults instead of children, so I would assume he doesn't succeed at eating all of them. Okay, well, that's pretty good, but that's unsurprising considering how it has been in the cultural zeitgeist basically since it was, I don't know, a couple of years after it was written and first exploded at the very, very, very least. So some quick factoids about this movie before we get into it is it was directed by Andy Muschietti, uh, who also directed Mama, which is a movie we are going to be covering eventually as well, because I, I enjoy Mama quite a lot. Uh, also enjoy Mama, this movie. I don't want to die. Uh, it was written by many people. Written by Chase Palmer, <laughs> uh, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, and Gary Dauberman. Uh, sorry if I fucked up any of those names. It stars, and buckle up, because my god, there are a lot of children in this movie. Jaden Martell as Bill Denborough. Jeremy Ray Taylor as Ben Hanscom. Sophia Lillis as Beverly Marsh. Finn Wolfhard as Richie Tozer. Chosen Jacobs as Mike Hanlon, Jake Dylan Grazer as Eddie Kassaprak, Wyatt Olaf as 
Olaf, maybe, as Stanley Uris and Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Normally I'm like, here's the three main characters and then we'll gloss over everybody else, but the problem is they're all main characters, so I had to list every one of them. This is not the first Stephen King movie we've had this problem with. There's been a couple that it's like, and here's ten characters and I can't tell you any less. Yeah, because... (laughs) that's exact they're all important to the narrative we just flip-flop back and forth our last movie it's like daniel radcliffe he is the only important person in this movie it's like we're making up for the lack of important people last movie yeah yeah there's no daniel radcliffe in this movie although maybe in the background someplace just like walking his dogs walking with his with his 20 dogs and a starbucks and a blue shirt gray shirt blue pants gray shirt right 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 uh so some factoids about this movie uh, we all, of course, know that it's based off of the Stephen King novel by the same name. But did you know that it is the 28th film to be adapted of his works? Uh, it is also the highest grossing ad- Stephen King adaptation of all co- all time. Is that across all three adaptations? Well, yeah, because the TV series, the TV series from like, oh, what is it, the 80s? Didn't do very great. And then there's the Tim Curry movie. Or is Tim Curry the TV That's series? That's the TV series. Oh, I thought they had made it a movie before. No, no, no. Well, yes, it is a movie, but it was a TV movie that's like fucking six hours long. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and the only good part is Tim Curry, frankly. Tim Curry is the best part of a lot of things. Tim Curry carries the entire movie. Six hours, and I'm like bored to tears every time he is not on the screen, <laughs> but jovially happy when he is on the screen. We'll watch it one day, and you'll get to see. Um, Sophia Lewis, who is who is taller than the rest of the Losers Club in the movie, is actually the shortest of the bunch, so she had to film many scenes standing on a box. Aww. <laughs> um, much of the banter between Jack Dylan Grazer and Finn Wolfhard's characters, Richie and Eddie, was improvised by the two actors. Um, and this movie is known for having very, like, it, it understands how children talk to each other. And does not censor it, which is good. I would definitely believe it's improvised, because Finn Wolfhard is, like, already a great actor, and he's only, like, 16. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But those are the three, like, big facts that jumped out to me. There's jillions, of course. Bill Skarsgård was apparently a treat to work with on set. All the kids and stuff got along quite well with him. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. The movie takes place in the 80s, I think, instead of the 60s, like it originally does in the book and whatnot, or at least part one. Uh, that's all I've got for it. Vicky, do you have anything else? No, not, not really. You always ask me if I have anything else, and I'm always like, we already have a segment where I've told you everything I know. I know, that's me, unless, it's like, it's like, speak now or forever hold your peace. How many jackasses actually interrupt a wedding during that time, but you gotta say it. There's a few of them. If, I'm just gonna come out and say it, if you've got a problem with a marriage happening, Voice that shit before the fucking wedding. Not in the goddamn middle of it. My god. Like, maybe maybe the forever hold your peace thing once served a function, but in the modern day of text messaging, where you can text your objections to the bride and the groom beforehand, or fucking email them, or, I don't know, send them a message on MySpace or whatever the fuck. Like... <laughs> I feel like this goes back to when the best man was the best swordsman. Best swordsman in the village to so defend the like, groom. So he could, like, fight yeah. for you to prevent your wife from being kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. That's probably when, like, or forever hold your peace was really relevant. Everybody drew their swords. Yeah. Now it's just, like, you get a slightly fancier bow tie than the rest of the fellas. We should go back to carrying swords. I'm all, I hate open carry for guns, but I'm all for open carry for swords. If I was oh, yeah. doing my 
PhD in Finland, they would give me a sword when I graduated. That is super fun. But I'm in Canada, so I don't get a sword. And Finland continues to do everything right. Good job, Finland. <laughs> Yay! Anyway, we're going to go watch it part uh, part one now. <laughs> uh, in our, so that's it for our part one of the episode. God, this is a mess. Uh, come and join us in part two after we watch the movie, where we will break it down for your ears. Stay frosty out there. Hello, we're back with part two of It 2017. This is the part of the podcast where we are going to go over the movie's plot synopsis, break it down bit by bit for you. So if you don't want it spoiled, go read the book, then go watch the miniseries, then go watch part one, and then go watch part two, and then listen to this. Or or you could just listen to this alternatively. Or you could just listen to this, I guess, if you're into spoilers. Lots of people listen to this podcast without watching the films. That's true. That's true. It's a good way to experience the movie without engaging with it directly, I suppose. Yes. Special shout out to Theo, who regularly listens to our podcast to determine if they should go watch the film. This one may be a bit too spooky. What do you think? The monsters aren't as bad as scary stories to tell in the dark. Which is interesting to me. They're not great. They're just not as bad. All right. Anyway, Vicky, you want to take us away? Yeah, so we start with some piano and some rain, and then we pan down to a house, and inside the house we meet, like, the main, main character, uh, Bill, who is folding a paper boat for his little brother, Georgie. Georgie, yeah. Uh, Georgie is drawing a little smiley face on the window's perspiration because it is raining outside. It's a pretty nasty main day. Uh, we see that Bill is also sick. Uh, he describes vomiting through his nose earlier that morning, which is pretty gross, uh, which is why he can't uh, go out and play with the boat with Georgie. Right. Uh, he tells Georgie to get the wax from the cellar so he can wax the paper boat. So it'll float. You want it to float, don't mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. And he refers to the boat in this scene as a she as well. And Georgie's like, what? Why are you ascribing a pronoun to this this paper boat? And Bill's like, because you always call boats she. You and, do. And this won't become relevant until the very end of the movie. Right. I had to go back and, and add that to my notes because I, that was not a relevant conversation to my notes at and the time. suddenly it was. <laughs> yeah. So Georgie heads uh, downstairs, and as he's heading downstairs, we see it's October 1988. And as he reaches the cellar, the piano, and all other soundtracks stops. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. As uh, he moves into the basement, which is a very classic spooky cellar. The lights don't work. Lights don't work. The stairs are set up in such a way that if somebody's hiding behind the steps, they could reach out and grab onto your ankles as you were descending them. Very, very classic spooky cellar stuff. Uh, so he goes and ventures into the darkness uh, in search of the wax. And as he is perusing the shelves in the gloom, he notices these two little pinpricks. Yeah. Peering at him from the dark. It appears to be glowing eyes. If you've ever shone your flashlight on a cat, that's sort of the vibe. And uh, Georgie scrambles for his own flashlight, and it's not eyes at all. It's just a reflection from some old light bulbs. So, mm -hmm. great. Grab that wax and head back upstairs to yeah. give it to Bill. Yeah, lightning strikes, and he's like, whoa, that's spooky. And so he runs the rest of the way. Well, of course, you got to run upstairs like that. 
Yes. If you if you tarry at all. You do have to run up the stairs. When I was a child, if I didn't run up the stairs, a hand on a really, really, really long arm was going to come out of my pantry and grab me. So I can I can vibe very strongly with this instinct to mm-hmm. run up the mm-hmm. stairs. And I believe it's actually just because my notes were kind of messed up. It's at this point, they have the she, boats are called she conversation. But anyways, we get the sense that although they're brothers uh, and brothers don't usually get along super super swell uh that georgie and bill do get along really well and they love each other they hug it out and georgie goes to play with his ship outside yeah he puts it in the gutter and of course it's raining so it floats pretty well and he's chasing after it and absolutely decks himself on one of the little like city barricades when they're doing construction um which allows the boat to get a little a little distance on him. A little away from him. Uh, and that distance means that when it starts to barrel towards a sewer drain, uh, Georgie is unable to grab it before it descends into the dark there. Yes. But fortunately, inside the sewer is a clown. Unfortunately, there is a spooky clown in there uh, who introduces himself as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. And he asks Georgie if he wants a balloon, and does he want his boat back, and he starts explaining to Georgie that his whole circus got washed down the sewer, and Georgie is like, that's nice, strange sewer clown man. Seems sus. I have to go, and Pennywise is like, but don't you want your boat? Yeah, and we also get to see a little bit of uh, Pennywise's influence over things that are external to himself, because he encourages Georgie to lean in and take a whiff. And Georgie's able to smell, uh, like, peanuts and popcorns and whatnot, I believe, uh, coming down from the sewers. Although I might be transplanting that scene from the book slash miniseries. It is mentioned, but it's unclear if it's just, like, Georgie asking if he also has popcorn or if he actually Mm -hmm. smells popcorn. Mm -hmm. Regardless. But anyway, Pennywise is like, well, now that we know each other uh, and we're not strangers, why don't you just reach out and grab uh, this boat? Because uh, as Georgie was running towards the sewer drain before Pennywise showed up, Georgie said that Bill was going to kill him because the boat is gone. And Pennywise goes, isn't Bill going to kill you if you don't, like, bring it back? And so Georgie reaches out for the boat very, very slowly. And Pennywise's face, mouth, I don't know, horrible maw of eldritch teeth, uh, reaches out and bites off half his arm. And then pulls him down the sewer. Mm, well, yeah, bites off his arm. And then as Georgie's, like, crawling away from the sewer grate crying. And this entire time, there's a lady on her deck that seems to be watching the street. And she clearly sees that, like, something's going on. But she's very, very uh, stone-faced, kind of uh, not reacting at all to what she's seeing. As this long arm comes out across the streets, cool shot overhead of him crawling away from the sewer grate in the rain, and then this long arm coming out, grabs him by the leg and pulls him in, and Georgie screams for Billy as he is uh, yanked into the sewers. We cut now to June of 1989, mm-hmm. just skip some time, and go to a sheep farm? Yeah, Place with sheep. There's some sheeps in a barn. And we meet Mike, uh, who is an orphan. And he is supposed to be learning how to kill sheep with an air gun, but he's not super keen on learning how to kill sheep with he, an air gun. He don't want to murder sheep, but uh, a man that's working there with him tells him that he needs to be more like his dad. I think it's his grandfather. It's like vaguely mentioned in one sentence at the very end of the movie. Yeah, and, and gives him this big long speech about at some point in, in uh, his life, Mike is going to have to decide whether or not he's a sheep in there with them or out here uh, with the rest of the humans. And if he chooses to be a sheep, 
then he won't know it until the air gun is put in between his eyes and he has a bolt shot into his noggin. Yes, and then we're going to leave Mike for a while because for the movie while. still has so many characters to introduce to us. So we're going to head to school and meet uh, Richie, Eddie, and Stanley, who are kind of the four... The three core guys with Bill. Yeah, like, they, they were friends before the events of the movie, anyway. Uh, and they're talking about Stanley's upcoming bar mitzvah. A lot of funny teenager jokes that... You gonna okay. cut off your dick? Does that mean they cut off your dick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we also go to the girls' bathroom and meet Beverly, who is smoking in a stall and is being bullied by the girl bullies, uh, presumably because she slept around the school. Yeah, or at least that's the, the vibe that the uh, the movie's trying to set, or at least that's what people around the school are saying. Uh, they tell her that she's trash and dump, like, a wet trash bag worth of garbage over top of the stall on top of her. She manages to get keep herself from getting completely drenched, though, and brings up her backpack to shield it. We also learn it's the last day of school and a student, Betty, is missing. And everyone's like... Betty rips him. Everyone's like, that's weird. And, again, doesn't become relevant for half the movie. Uh-huh. And the local bully crew, led by Henry Bowers, who has a terrible mullet, uh, rolls up and informs Bill that he had a year mm. off out of respect for his mm-hmm. dead brother. Mm-hmm. But he's back on, on the menu. But he's back on the menu. And just before they get... Uh... They get uh, accosted by the bullies. Uh, they throw out their books into the trash because that's what you do after summer and start talking about what they want to do uh, with their upcoming free time. And Richie wants to go to the arcade and play some video games, but Bill reminds them that they promised that they would help him search the nearby barrens for Georgie. Yes, which is like an area where the local sewers empty run off into a creek before we can go to the barons though we have to meet yet one more major character uh which is ben who is a bit of a disaster and the new kid in town and we meet him because he's kind of blocking the exit beverly is trying to leave uh-huh. through yeah he's carrying like a diorama yeah something like that know. she's carrying like a diorama with him but between his diorama his bike and his walkman he's only got so many hands and so he ends up dro- uh, dropping the uh, diorama, and as he stoops to pick it up, Beverly appears and is like, you're the new kid. Let me sign that yearbook, bud. And uh, she opens it up, and, and nobody has signed his yearbook, and so she's the only one. She signs it with a bunch of little hearts. And Ben looks odd the whole time. Yeah. They're also listen- He's listening to New Kids on the Block, which is a, a talking point. Which is a talk, yeah, yeah. Uh, on his walk home, Bill is practicing his stutter, mm-hmm. not... His stutter. He's practicing not stutter. <laughs> Gotta stutter harder. No, he's trying to do the other thing. Some more pauses in there. No, yeah, he's uh, repeating the. He thrusts his fist against the post and still insists he sees the ghosts. Yes. Uh, when he gets home, though, his dad is waiting to confront him in the garage because he has constructed a sewer model uh-huh. with like a little action figure and uses the garden hose to show that this must be where Georgie's body has ended up in the Barrens. And his dad is like, "Take this down before your mom sees it. Georgie is dead." Yeah. The fuck is wrong Yeah, with it's, it's clear that he's constructed these tubes uh, using an old map of the sewers that he got from his father's office to look like the dairy sewers in order to see if Georgie had been washed away where he would have ended up, which is the Barrens, as far as Bill has been able to 
figure out with this model that he made. But his dad's not down, tells him to take it down. Uh, and we go away from Bill for a while and join Mike, who is riding into town with a meat delivery. Yes, to the butcher. Riding on his bike. Uh, and he ducks down the alley to avoid Bower's gang, who are driving around, being teenagers. Being horrible teenagers. And the door to the butcher, which is chained shut, begins to uh, rattle, and smoke starts to kind of start pouring out of the corners. And then we start seeing burned hands reaching out and start screaming for help from Mike specifically, yeah. like calling his name. Help Mike, help Mike. And everything gets really uh, crazier and crazier until the screaming suddenly stops and the door flies open. And way at the back of what is like a meat cooler maybe, uh, hanging from a chain uh, behind some like a plastic, what, what are those doors called? The plastic like flaps? That you have to walk through. It's meant to, like, brush shit off of you. Oh. You know what I'm talking about, I know about, what you're talking right? about. I don't know what it's called. I have no fucking idea what it's called. But anyways, on the other side of one of those, we see uh, Pennywise hanging from one of the hooks. And he looks at Mike, his eyes glowing yellow like a cat's. Um, but before that can develop any further, Henry Bowers j- drives right down the alleyway, nearly hitting Mike, who has to jump into some trash to avoid being run over. Yeah, uh, and by the time the car is gone, there's nothing in the butcher except the butcher himself, who's like, you okay, Mike? Mm -hmm. Presumably Mike's okay, because now we're going to Stanley, who's in the synagogue, practicing for his bar mitzvah. Practicing reading the Torah? The Torah, yeah. Yeah. And his dad is the local rabbi who's like, ugh. You're the worst at this. Go put the tar back because you're obviously not using it properly. Yeah, and so Stanley's like, uh, fine, and heads up to his dad's office, which is a dimly lit, uh, like, clergy, I guess it's not clergy, but is clergy a, like, multi-religion word? Or is that meant to specifically describe Catholicism? No, because you can have clergy. I think it would be okay. rabbi specifically, though, with... With the office. Okay, well, it's, it, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to look this up later, but I think... It wouldn't. I don't think it's clergy for Jewish individuals. Got to read up on Judaism. Anyways. Also, um, can I just say real fast? Every parent in this film, awful. They're all the worst. And a a large part of that is, and we don't get into it a little bit later, but uh, Pennywise does have power over the whole town. So, like, his influence is all over everybody, which is part of the reason why the adults are so goddamn awful. Uh, But anyway, he goes up to his father's study, where he puts the Torah back on the shelf, and as he uh, passes by uh, what appears to be this, or what is rather, a super creepy painting of yeah, a I don't know why you want it in your de- in your room. A deformed lady with playing a flute. Yeah, it's almost like if you took Edward Munch's The Scream and like threw a flute and a lot of teeth in there, mm-hmm. you would come up with well, this she's painting. She's not. There's no teeth in the actual painting. She's, I thought there was. No, no, no. Like she was smiling. No, she's not. Oh. Anyways, the painting falls off the wall, and when Stanley goes to put it back up, the lights are flickering, and he hangs it up, and the spooky figure is not in the painting. Yeah, it's just a blank painting. What the heck? He soon finds out where the lady went as he turns around, and from out of the darkness shuffles uh, the woman alive. Yes. And she smiles a mouthful of gross teeth at him. Maybe that's why I thought there were teeth in the yeah. photo. Anyways, he runs out and slams the office door and is presumably not eaten because we cut now to Bill, Richie, and Eddie who are prepping at Eddie's house for going to the Barrens. Going to the Barrens. Uh, and Eddie is packing up all of his medication into his uh, fanny pack. His secret it, second fanny pack. His second, fa- his second fanny pack. Uh, Eddie is a uh, hypochondriac, but it's entirely due to his mother's influence who is very, very overbearing on him. 
Uh, yes. And as they're about to leave, she insists that uh, he is safe and doesn't get into any trouble and makes him uh, give her a kiss on the cheek. Yes, we go now to the library where Ben is writing a secret admirer postcard. Wonder who that could be for. And the librarian is like, here's the book you asked for. Also, don't you have any friends? Yeah. Sad child sitting in the library on summer break. Calling Ben out and Ben's like, I just, shut up, lady. Uh, but anyway, she brings him a book on Derry's history. Because it turns out he's a bit of a history buff. And since he's moved to this small town, he's been sort of engrossed with uh, the history of the township. He begins flipping through it and eventually comes to an Easter egg hunt that was happening around the turn of the century at an old ironworks where there was an explosion that resulted in the deaths of 88 children. Yeah, and uh, as he's flipping through, the pictures on the pages all start to be exactly the same picture, getting slightly closer. Like magnified, yeah. Yeah. Like a tree. Until he sees his own body hanging in the tree. Well, it's like a severed head. And I don't think it's his head. It's uh, like it's, it was. no, it's meant to be like here's a historical photograph after the explosion. Clearly, some poor kid had his head blown off and it landed in the tree. Mm-hmm. And so it like zooms in on that severed head, and uh, Ben is like, "Well, that's disgusting. What a weird, what a weird history book." And closes it. Yes, and the camera kind of backs out from him, and we see he's got quite a few things about missing people mm-hmm. and missing children, like newspapers and stuff. Uh, but then a red balloon floats by in the background, and he's mm-hmm. like, huh, better and, go check that out. And the entire time he's reading the book, the librarian behind him that's just out of the shot, or just in the shot in the back, is like leering at him the entire time. And there's actually, when you go back and rewatch this movie a few times, there are tons of times where Pennywise is clearly in the background of the shot, watching and staring uh, as people. Uh, and that's one of the instances that this librarian's being creepy and leering at him, but you don't notice her unless you're looking in the background good to know uh ben follows the balloon through an open door and sees a line of easter eggs that are smoldering slightly yeah and he follows them down to the basement because why wouldn't you follow that mysterious egg line down into the spooky basement i mean i probably would be like that's wild and follow the egg line that's fair Uh, you'd be like that's wild (laughs) (laughs) i don't know you'd be like what a crazy situation i'm crazy random let's see how this develops yes exactly (laughs) down in the basement where i am pleased to report the library is using proper archival boxes and proper stack methods thank god uh the lights begin to flicker i'm so sorry all of our listeners this is really also secretly vicky's podcast critiquing archival appearances in films (laughs) <laughs> I commented it on last episode and the episode before also. We keep having all these scenes in archives. Well, if you've... I mean, you got to use your expertise. To tell the public about archives. To educate the public, yeah. <laughs> on the stairs, uh, leading down to the archival room, we see a body appear, like a person. And yep. then the person starts walking and they don't got no head. No head boy! Yeah, and it's, it's smoking. A, it's a Bernie corpsey child with no head uh, that begins to do like a weird twitch w- walk after Ben, chasing him throughout the archive. And as he's running from this, we hear in Pennywise's voice from behind him, Egg boy. And he turns around and the child has become Pennywise the clown, chasing after him. Yes. But Ben is luckily saved when he runs into the librarian. Who's like, the fuck? And he's like, gotta go by. See ya. As he's leaving the library, uh, presumably somewhat perplexed by his recent situation, he runs into Bowers and his gang, who drag him to a bridge. Mm -hmm. And we've, I, I don't know if we covered this, but we've been told multiple times that Henry has been looking for Ben this whole time, like all day, to try and, I don't know. He's the new kid. Try and bully him some. (laughs) Yes. Uh, They're harassing Ben, and a car drives by, and and Ben is like, help, 
but they do not help. We see a balloon in their back seat. Yeah, the, the, well, like, clearly the adults in the car make eye contact with him and are looking at this situation that cannot be misconstrued as anything other than a couple boys assaulting another boy, and uh, they just kind of turn a blind eye to that and drive away, and then the red balloon pops up in the back seat. Uh, Henry then pulls out his switchblade knife and begins to carve his name into Ben's stomach. And even one of his goons is like, bro. Like, Henry, that's a little, that's a little much, man. So Ben kicks him, uh, falling backwards over the edge of the bridge, and the chase is on. Mm-hmm. And during the chase down the hill, which is less of a chase and more of a slide. More of a fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry loses his knife, and so he's like, oh, my dad's going to kill me. And he sends his goons after Ben while he looks for his yeah, knife. Yeah, he sends uh, Belch and Patrick are the goons that he sends after And him. a third one. There is a third one. But I don't know the third one. The third named. one I don't think is ever named. No. He is in the book. It's been a long time. That's fine. It's not relevant to no, this movie. Anyways, uh, Ben is running through this kind of wetland-ish area, which we can presume is the Barrens, because we leave Ben for right now, mm-hmm. and head over to Richie, Bill, Eddie, and Stanley, who have reached the entrance of the sewer. Yeah, and they're arguing about whether or not they should go through with this. Uh, Eddie points out that the sewer's full of grey water, which is piss and shit, and is like, that's disgusting. Uh, but Bill is like, well, if I was, or they end up finding, rather, Betty Ripson's uh, sneaker floating in the water, and uh, Bill's like, well, if it was, if I was Betty Ripson, I'd want us to go look for her, for me. Uh, and same with Georgie. So, like, we need to go and find these kids. Yes. Finding the shoe, though, is a definitive tone shift, but just in time to break the tension, Ben appears in the creek, and uh, we... Don't see necessarily how that situation resolves, because we cut now to Patrick, one of the goons. Well, they do come up to him, and they're like, what the hell happened to you, man? Because he's clearly all beat up and bloody. Yeah, but we d- we'll we'll deal with them later. Get back to them later, yeah. So Patrick uh, comes up on this sewer entrance, which is not no longer where the boys are. Yeah, Patrick being one of Henry's goons, one of the ones that was sent. Yes, yeah. I mentioned that already. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and he heads into the sewer, because he hears a noise and thinks it's Ben. And using hairspray and a lighter for his, like, flamethrower flashlight, he decides to head right on in there. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for him, telling him that he can't hide from him and he can't spend all night in the sewer, uh, when he comes upon what appears to be a bunch of, a group of people moving towards him down the sewer entrance. And using his lighter and hairspray, lights up uh, a large crowd of dead corpsey children. Yeah, and uh, Patrick is like, Nah, fam. And starts running away, uh, but he runs himself right into a dead end. Mm -hmm. And when he turns around, he doesn't see the children anymore, but he does see a balloon. Big red balloon that floats up to him and that says, I heart dairy on it. Uh, Eventually the balloon pops to reveal Pennywise standing behind him, who are behind the uh, balloon, and jumps out and grabs onto him. And yes. that's it. And we just hear Patrick screams as we cut away. Just the screams. Meanwhile, we go back to the gang who are now in the alley behind the butcher. Or behind the pharmacy. Well, it's, it is where the butcher is, though, on the other side, because it's the same door that Mike was looking in, so they must be beside okay. each other. Um, and they leave Richie with Ben while the other three head inside to get first aid supplies. And Beverly is also in this pharmacy buying tampons. Yeah, buying, buying some pads. Uh, Bever- Beverly sees that they uh, are trying to get this stuff for uh, Ben and volunteers to go distract the pharmacist. So she walks up and it's a whole, a whole awkward scene. 
It is. She's like, wow, your glasses make you look like Clark Kent. Can I try them? And the shopkeeper's like, sure, they make you look like Lois Lane. And it's like, mm, and I we're don't all love like, it. And we're all like, oh, we don't like that. But Beverly's uh, awkward discussion with the pharmacist leaves the boys enough time to slip out with the stuff they need. Yes, and she also steals a pack of cigarettes for her troubles and carries yeah. on. Yeah. So in the alley, they're arguing over the best way to tend to Ben's wounds. Suck, you gotta suck on the wound. <laughs> <laughs> and when Bill sees Beverly approaching, and he is clearly also in love. Yeah, now Bill loves Beverly too. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but Beverly arrives and is like... Wow, that looks real rough, Ben. And Bill is like, enough about Ben, though. Do you want to come to the quarry with us tomorrow? Yeah, we're going to go swimming in the... You won't come? And she's like, heck yeah. Is this just a thing in American small towns, swimming in the quarry? Because that's in Stranger Things, too. They have a quarry that they go swimming in. Do they? Yeah, that's where they find Will's body the first time. Body, in quotation marks. Oh, I don't know. If you're a small mining town, I assume you have a quarry. It's fair. It just There seems to be a lot of swimming in quarries in a small American towns. A lot of quarries. Anyways, we learn uh, from Richie after Beverly departs that Beverly is is the rumored town hoe. That's really all there is to that discussion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Beverly goes home, and we meet her dad, who's mm, also creepy AF. Feed uh, him to Pennywise. Yeah, he he caresses her hair and is like, "Tell me you're still my girl," and she's like, "Yup, still." Mm. It's not great. Uh, she clearly is equally as uncomfortable with it. And goes to the bathroom where she's disgusted, I guess, by the hair that her dad was feeling up. And so she takes a pair of scissors and cuts it all off. I think it's more than just... Yeah. The, it's, the movie is fairly apparent what is happening yes, here. Yes, absolutely. Um, however, uh, we cut to the lads at the quarry who are spitting off the ledge and mm-hmm. arguing about what constitutes the best loogie. Yeah, whether or not it's like mass or distance or coloration classic important stuff yes beverly shows up new short hair looking fly uh pulls off her coat calls all the boys sissies because none of them have jumped in yet and just fucking runs and yeets herself off the cliff no hesitation and all the boys are like shit now we're less cool than the girl we got showed up by a girl and so they each jump off of the cliff after her and we get a nice little montage of them swimming around horsing around in that water becoming pals it's fun times uh later they're sitting around beverly oh is, and there's a turtle which they is apparently relevant in the book but it's not at all relevant in the movie <laughs> no tom like paused to explain the turtle to me and it was like okay <laughs> That means nothing, but great. Uh, Later, they're sitting around. Beverly has got her sunnies on. She's lying down in her swimsuit. And on her boombox, she's playing a rap album. And the the lads are in various states of awe. Of art appreciation. Appreciating the rap and Beverly. And then when (laughs) Beverly looks at them, they're all like, I am deeply interested in that tree over there, which is definitely not your direction. (laughs) Uh, and they begin to talk uh, about Ben, uh, who mentions that he is new to Derry, of course, as uh, the new kid. But since he moved here, he's got no pals. So he's been spending lots of times at the uh, library, where he mentions he's been doing tons of research into the township of Derry. And he's realized that adults vanish at six times the national average in Derry. And for kids, it's way worse. Yeah, and everyone's like, that's disconcerting. And as they head home, we very briefly see a missing poster for Patrick, the sewer goon. Yes, uh, but they're, they're not heading home. They're going to... Oh, they're going to Ben's house. Ben's house, yes. because uh, we he wants to show them his room filled with the history of Derry that he's gotten researched out. And that's when we see Patrick's missing poster. 
Yes. Uh, at his house, Ben's room is covered not in wallpaper, but in newspaper clippings and archival copies. And uh, they're kind of looking at everything while Ben relays to them that the entirety of the 91 founding members of Derry disappeared one day. And the only clue was some bloody clothes that led to the wellhouse. Yeah, so like, what the heck? I'm Not to like call out the citizens of Derry, but frankly, if a whole town was created and everyone in it vanished with bloody clothes, I would not be like... Let's continue building this town. Well, I want to reiterate that Pennywise has mind control powers over everybody that lives here to make them okay with it. Absolutely valid. I'm just saying. He had killed everyone in the area. They could have had a new life. Well, but but mind control. Anyways. You can't just reason yourself out of mind control, Vicky. Sure I can. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Beverly also in his bedroom spots the new kids on the block poster he's got on the door and they share a little little little, nod. Have a little moment. Uh, Anyways, once they're done hanging out at Ben's house and learning disturbing facts about the place they live, um, (laughs) Eddie ends up uh, heading back home and he has to pass by Niebold Street on his way home and the old dilapidated house on the corner of said street. Yes, and while he's walking past, the front door opens and a voice asks him what he's looking for. What are you looking for, Eddie? And he's trying to, like, grab his asthma inhaler because of all his hypochondriac things. I think he does actually have asthma. asthma. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as he's doing so, because his secret second fanny pack is so full of pills, he throws some on the ground, and as he's picking them up, a very gross-looking hand that we will much later learn is attached to a leper, but I just straight up thought was a zombie, offers him the last pill. Yeah, Paul holds it up and is like, do you think if I take this I'll get better, Eddie? And he looks up and it's this horrifyingly, like, diseased man. Yeah. Um, who... uh, like, the worst leper you've ever seen who also suffered a horrible radiation accident. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, begins to chase him uh, and ends up kind of... Sh- corralling him towards the house trying to chase him into the home uh, but he ends up uh, deking around and fleeing towards a chain link fence that he's able to squeeze through but uh, before he's able to escape he turns back and looks and sees that the leper is gone and been replaced by a giant triangle of red balloons yes and the balloons disappear to reveal Pennywise and uh, there's some some high tension. I for sure thought Eddie was about to get get got, but Eddie does manage to scramble through the hole in the fence, and Pennywise disappears. Yeah, he turns back, and all the balloons pop, and Pennywise is gone. I'm somewhat unclear on the mechanics of Pennywise. Like, I don't know when he can and cannot appear, because he seems to avoid light, but also it's bright and sunny, so I don't know. No, yeah, no, he doesn't avoid light. He's just like a shapeshifty. I don't know. Maybe he transformed into an ant. Sure. <laughs> Beverly heads back home and is uh, t- sorting out her backpack and finds the postcard that Ben wrote for her in the library, which he slipped in there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's cute. She's, I'm going to go read it in the bathroom. She's jiving with that poem. Uh, and so she she reads it, quite likes it. Um, and then while she is kind of perusing it, she hears a voice calling to her from the sink, a little girl's voice. Uh, as she approaches the sink, more uh, voices join the girl's uh, voice. Yes, How and many they... times can Thomas say voice in <laughs> quite a lot? Thirty seconds. Ugh. The voices start introducing themselves as the missing children: uh, Victoria, Betty, Patrick, Patrick, and and so on. And so she, uh, she being Beverly, slips out and grabs like her dad's measuring tape and is trying to measure 
the how, drain. How deep down it is. And turns out it's pretty spooky deep. Well, her measuring tape actually runs out. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't get to the bottom. But as she's pulling it up, the bottom four inches are covered in blood and hair. And hair from when she cut her hair earlier. Um, the blood was not part of the hair cutting experience. No. Uh, but she's like, well, that's gross, and it's about to get a whole lot grosser for you, Beverly, as the hair begins to snake up her arm and wrap around uh, her, trying to pull her down closer to the uh, sink. Yes, and then blood starts spraying from the sink in a scene that, frankly, was very reminiscent of the blenderizing of Johnny Depp in, in Nightmare, Nightmare on, on Elm Street. Street. Yeah, kind of. Like, it's it's a really remarkable amount of blood at high velocity that gets out of this sink and she backs up screaming like shuddering in a corner everything is red and her dad comes in and is like fuck's wrong with you and she's like the blood everywhere and he's like you're seeing shit man yeah I'm concerned and then he's like why'd you do this to your hair makes you look like a boy and i'm like ooh. and we're like yes that's probably why beverly did it also you can throw yourself off a cliff at any time mm, so yeah he doesn't see the blood uh before we can get back to that situation though we go to bill who is sleeping at home when he is awoken by water dripping onto a drawing that he's doing of beverly yes uh so he goes to get a bucket but is distracted from getting the bucket when he sees a light come on in georgie's uh room and so he heads into georgie's room and kind of Kind of sits there for a minute. Finds a turtle made of Lego. Which is, again, apparently relevant, but not to this film. The turtle. So he heads downstairs, and uh, in the kitchen, appears to see Georgie run through the kitchen and down into the cellar. Yeah, and there's some muddy footprints also uh, coming down into the cellar. So him being like, my brother? What? Uh, My missing brother, who I refuse to admit is dead? Yeah, goes down after him. So he heads down the steps. And finds that the basement is completely flooded with, like, a foot of water. Yes, and also Georgie, who's standing there asking him not to be mad. And uh, Bill is like, I'm I'm not mad, Georgie. Yeah, Georgie's like, I'm sorry for losing the boat. Yes, and Bill starts, or Georgie starts saying that Bill will float too. Like, they can hang out and he'll float. If he and comes then, down here with him. And yeah. then his voice starts getting progressively more and more distorted as he says, You'll float too, you'll float too, and he gets progressively more dead-looking uh, while Pennywise slowly appears out of the water behind Bill. Yeah, and we can see Pennywise's arm up like ventriloquist dummying, dummying the uh, corpse of Georgie. Um, and as Bill finally reaches his breaking point, he's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave. I'm just uh, gonna go. <laughs> and starts to try and run away uh, as Pennywise jumps out of the water and sprints at him screaming. Uh, barely misses him, though. Yes. As Bill is able to make his escape. Yes, makes it upstairs, slams the door. We then cut to Beverly's house, presumably the next day, where the gang has arrived and leave Richie as a lookout while they go to check the bathroom. And unlike Beverly's dad, are all like, holy shit, that's a copious amount of blood. That's a, like a lot of blood. And Bill's like, we can't leave it like this. And so they, we get a nice, nice little montage of them cleaning. Fun cleaning montage to the cure. Ben heads out of the bathroom and sees the postcard on Beverly's bed and he's like, oh. She got it. He's like butterflies. Except then he carries on and as he passes the door again, sees that Beverly and Bill are talking quite close. They're hitting it off. Oh no. Uh, Beverly tells Bill that the rumors about her aren't true and that she only ever kissed one boy. And uh, that boy was him in their like third grade school play. play. (laughs) Yes. And Beverly starts quoting the postcard because she thinks Bill wrote it. And Bill is like... poem on the postcard, yeah. Bill is like... 
I don't really know any poetry. And she's like, oh, well, never mind. Mm. And then Bill tells Beverly that he never believed any of the rumors, so they Gucci. And they like hanging out with her. Yeah. On the way home, uh, Richie is biking around the gang, being like, y'all left me out there forever, Jesus. But uh, a discussion ensues where Bill reveals he saw Georgie, and Eddie brings up uh, the, like, leper leper, which is when we learn it's a leper and not a horrible radiation zombie and they all discuss and reveal that they've all seen pennywise except richie yeah eddie's like the clown yeah and richie's talking about how he's the only one that hasn't seen any of this so whatever uh they they spot or while they're talking rather and moving they spot henry's car henry bowers parked by the side of the road right next to mike's bike uh, which is toppled on the ground, and they're like, ooh, shit, should we go and do something about it? Nah, and Beverly's like, what are you guys talking about? We need to go help this boy. Especially because it, they don't really suggest it, but there seems to be an understanding that Bowers is getting, like, steadily more aggressive. Like, it would just be spitting on children, but now he's trying to carve his name into Ben, right? So, like, he's uh-huh. progressing. Uh, we cut to the Baron's... Bar- Baron? Baron? Baron. Okay. Where Mike is being bullied, um, his face shoved into one of his raw pieces of lamb, mm. and Mike can see Pennywise in the bushes who, like, waves at him with a disembodied arm yeah. that he's, like, eaten off of some child. Yeah. And Bowers is about to clock Mike with a rock in the head, maybe killing him, mm-hmm. but is himself hit with rocks. He is himself hit with a rock thrown by one of the intrepid heroes of this story who we see have gathered on the other side of the creek uh mike seeing his uh possible allies in this situation crawls across the creek towards them and uh we get a rock fight yeah it's great richie literally yells rock fight, rock fight! and then gets like hit Clocking in the face with a rock <laughs> <Yeah>. like, ah! <laughs> uh, there are more of the gang than the bullies so they win and with the addition of mike the losers club as they dub themselves is complete it is formed all, uh, all eight of them. Yeah. Good lord. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they go to the town fair where they find a new missing poster, which is overlapped another missing poster, which is overlapped another missing poster. And they mention how it's like every single time a new kid goes missing, all the previous missing kids are forgotten about. Yes, and Ben is like, hey, I was doing some math, and... Uh, these children go missing like this every 27 years. Yeah, he mentions that there the ironworks explosion happened at the turn of the century, and a little bit after that there was an infamous gang shootout. 27 that, years later. Yeah, 20, 27 years later there was a gang shootout, and then an old uh, uh, like black people only club that was in town called the Black Spot ended up having a terrible fire, I think, in it. It was burned down called. by that racist cult. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's the KKK or Definitely the KKK. Gotta be. Well, normally KKK. you would just say the KKK. Yeah. I don't know. But they also, they're also children, so maybe they just know of it as the... It's true. Regardless. Every 27 years, something bad seems to happen in Derry. Yes. And uh, they have a bit more of a discussion, and Mike explains that his parents died in a fire, hence why he saw, like, the hands coming out of fire, and they work out that they're all seeing the things they are afraid of, mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. So they head back to Bill's house, and uh, they've got a projector, and Bill has got the map of the sewers from his dad and has, like, taped it to the wall? The door? Some portion yeah. of the garage. But, but they're clearly what they're doing is they're wanting to overlap a projection of the new town with a map of the old towns, or rather, I think it's the other way around. It's a projection of the old town map with Bill's 
father's current map of the town. Of the sewers. If yeah. there's a map and the sewers, and I don't know which is projected on which. Either way. It's irrelevant. Either though. way, <laughs> they overlay these two things to try and tell, and they figure out that each of the spots that these tragedies have happened have been connected to the dairy sewers. And all of the sewers connect to the abandoned house on Niebold Street. Well, yeah, I don't think... Do they know it's the Niebold Street house yet? Yeah. They know it's the well house. Well, I think they do because they can see... Right, here's, the... where, here's where they do realize that it is that house. Yes, now. which must be where it lives they've started calling it it it. the projector at this point develops a mind of its own and starts flipping through photos well before that eddie freaks out and is like i'm not doing this and tears the map down and they're like what the heck you doing eddie my man and that's when the projector begins to move on its own rapidly switching between slides of uh bill and his family's vacations and stuff together until it eventually stops on a slide of them standing together as a family and the slide focuses in on georgie's grinning face in much the same way the photos in the book got we're all mm. identical, but got slowly closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we cut from Georgie's face to what is supposed to be their mother, who turns slowly into Pennywise. Yeah, like her hair is like in her face in the photograph, and she's smiling. And as it gets, as it keeps changing, the hair ends up moving more and more over her face, and then it pulls back, and it's Pennywise. They eventually knock the projector over, and it shuts off. And they're like, "Okay, it's fine." But then it turns back on again, and it's not fine because Pennywise has come out of the projector and is in the... Well, he's still in the pictures of the projector, and then he's missing from the pictures. Right, and then he pops out of it suddenly, and he's really, really big, like a giant, and comes crawling at them. But they're able to get him to go away by opening up the garage door, shining light on him, I guess. See, this is what I mean, because he seems to avoid light. Like, in the sewers, he doesn't want to come out and stuff. But, like, in all of the scenes except randomly for Eddie, he's avoiding being in light, and light makes him go away. I think what it actually boils down to is that, like, if you succumb to your fear during an encounter with him, he can get you. But if there's some kind of, like, little safety uh, blanket offered or a life preserver thrown that cuts through your fear, he suddenly loses the ability to manifest. That's fair. That's my personal how I see it anyway. That's fair. Bill announces he's going to the house on Nebel, because that's where all the sewers connect, and everyone's like, Bill, no, and Bill is like, I gotta go get Georgian, and rides off, and he gets to the house and is about to enter when the rest of the gang arrives, and is like, no, don't yeah. do that. Yeah, they're like, you'll get killed, you'll do- you'll get killed, Bill, don't. Um, but Bill is like, gives a nice rousing speech about how everybody in this town just ignores the kids that are going missing. And he's not going to do that. He can't do that anymore. Um, He's not just going to sit back and watch. He has to do something about it. And Richie observes he didn't stutter once in this whole speech. Mm -hmm. Uh, The boys, however, don't want to go inside. They're like, we should keep watch. And then all put up their hands to keep watch. So they draw straws. And in the straw drawing, Bill, Eddie, and Richie become the main house search team. They're They're search team one. And in they go. And Richie very quickly finds his own missing poster. Yeah, with his own name and face and everything on it. He freaks out, obviously, after having discovered this. But Bill calms him down, assuring him that this none of this is real. It's all fake. And you have to keep in your brain that it's all not real. Yes. They're distracted from this when a girl's voice says hello and asks for help from upstairs. Help. Yeah. So they head upstairs and see what appears to be Betty, who is dragged back into a room just before they can reach her. Yeah, Betty rips some... Uh, and as they start to move down the hallway towards the room where Betty was dragged, uh, Pennywise begins to call out to Eddie, who seems to be the only one that can hear the sound. Uh, he turns and is drawn to another door, uh, 
at the other end of the hall. So the, the group is becoming very, very slowly separated as we see Eddie is staying behind and Richie and Bill are moving together to the Betty Riffson room. Yes, and then the doors uh, between them are closed and Eddie is suddenly trying to get back to them when a hole opens up in the floor and a very long arm with a hand on it, God, I hate the long arm, yeah. reaches out and grabs him by the shoulder. Yeah, he turns around, comes face to face to the horrifying leper man once again. Uh, the sight of him, obviously, being so horrifying that he stumbles backwards through the floor and falls through the hole and uh, lands back on the first floor, crashing through a uh, table and breaking his arm. Yes. However, uh, Bill and Richie now get separated, because Richie has realized Eddie is missing and goes to look for Eddie, and then once again the doors close. Yeah, he ends up in a different room from Bill now. Yes, and Richie's room is full of clown statues, because he's afraid of clowns. I feel like that may be part of why I didn't find this movie as distressing as... Because you don't find clowns scary? I don't scary? find clowns scary. That's fair. Um, whereas I found everything in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark distressing, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, the lights flicker on and off, and just when Richie determines the clowns are not real, uh, he sees a coffin open, again with his missing poster inside, but now with found written in blood over top of it. Yeah, and he uh, moves his way up to the coffin and peers inside, and within the coffin is like a small doll version of himself covered in like maggots and shit and i want to say uh one of the clowns among the clown dolls that is closest to the coffin is tim curry from the original miniseries it's his exact pennywise outfit that's fun yeah richie is like not dealing with this doll in a coffin shit and slams it shut Uh, but too bad because pennywise jumps out of it doesn't get to do anything though because bill has managed to open the door and grab richie yeah pennywise tries to jump at him but yeah he's out of there so now they're in a different room and Eddie's head, which is not the real Eddie, appears from a mattress and, like, blood? Well, no, he, he like, the, the mattress, like, rips open and Eddie's head pops out and he looks at them and goes, Hey, you guys want to play loogie? And he just starts right. spitting up this black gunk all over the place, which begins to crawl across the floor towards them. Yes. Uh, it's not the real Eddie, though, because we go back to the real Eddie, where we see he's broken his arm, and Pennywise horrifically unfolds himself from a fridge. It's not great. Uh, and he starts to, like, crawl for Eddie as Richie and Bill, meanwhile, are turn around and see three doors. One that says, um... Not very scary, scary, and very scary. Yeah. Or not scary at not all. Not scary at all, scary, very scary, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Pennywise moving towards, um, Eddie is, like... Yeah, I don't know. He's fucking with him. It's clearly he's not trying to jump at him and kill him right then and there. He's, like, moving very slowly towards him, grabs Eddie's hands, and is, like, biting at the hand, but not biting it, like... Yes. Richie and Bill open the not-scary-at-all door and see half of Betty. Yeah. The legs are missing. Asking where her shoe is. Yes, and they slam the door She's shut. missing both of her shoes and both of her feet. Yes. At this point, Pennywise starts to unhinge his jaw, presumably to actually eat... Eddie, Mm -hmm. uh, but is distracted because Bill is like, it's not real, we just have to know it's not real, and opens the door and plows his way through with Richie. So Pennywise is like, interesting, I'll come back to eat you later, child, hang on. Yeah, he turns to Bill and is like, this isn't real enough for you, Billy? Like, Yes, and starts taunting him about Georgie. Yeah, it was real enough for Georgie. Uh, And while they're uh, dealing with him, and Pennywise is about to jump at Bill and attack him, when we get a DSX uh, Beverly with yes. a fire poker, which she stabs right through his eye. 
Yeah, it's well, it's through the side of his head. And through the side of his head. It goes yeah. all the way through his head, though, which does yeah. not yeah. disturb him as much as you would hope. Uh, but it does kind of slow him down as the gang clamors in. Yeah, Pennywise gets like a claw off on on Ben. Uh, yeah, across the, the stomach. stomach. Or Ben's stomach. Yes, but uh, Pennywise then retreats to the basement. He's not really up actually for a fight. He no. sort of relies on fear. Catching them alone and yeah. Yes, Bill follows just long enough to see that he goes down like into a well in the basement mm-hmm. and then retreats with the gang and the gang goes to deliver Eddie to his mother. Yeah, who is parked outside and insisting that they're all little bastards. For... No, it's back at his at Eddie's house. No, it's in front of the like she has showed up to the house in her. No, because I looked at it because I thought that's what was happening and it's her. It's their house behind oh, it. It's not actually the old house because I was like, how the fuck does she know they're there? But then why would they get into the car? I guess to take him to the Eddie hospital. gets because they brought Eddie back home and she puts him in the car to take, take him, him to the, the hospital because he's, he's broken, his, broken arm. his arm. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yes, I had the same thought and I was like, how does she know they're here? And then I looked at him and it was their house. Um, but yeah, the mother is like, this is all your fault. You're all monsters, and Eddie is never hanging out with any of you again. Yeah, and uh, you can see Eddie is not doing much to. He's clearly very, very traumatized. The entire group pretty traumatized at this point. So as she drives away, uh, Richie begins shouting about how they were gonna frickin' die back there. Yeah, well, Bill is like, "Great, let's. Uh, go, we know how to do this next time." And Richie is like, "He's like, there's we'll no pre- next time. We'll be prepared and we'll be together." And he mentions that they were all together working against it when they heard it, and so that's what they have to do. But Richie is not on board, and frankly, neither is Stanley. Really, nobody or except Mike. for Beverly. Yeah, but but Beverly is like, "No, no, no. Bill knows. Bill knows what's up. We need to band together and take this fucker out." Yes, a fight breaks out between Bill and Richie, and Bill punches Richie in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're separated and the gang goes their separate ways, except for Beverly and Bill. And then we, like, really quickly montage through the next two months. Yeah, we get a a Dear God montage uh, of all the losers doing their own thing. We see Stanley at his bar mitzvah. Uh, We see Eddie with his uh, cast. Mike successfully kills a sheep. Mike kills a sheep! Ben is in the library. Mm -hmm. Beverly is in the bathtub. And then we get a, a title card that says August, because mm. it's August now. And we see uh, Henry Bowers and his gang shooting bottles. Shooting his dad's gun. And Bowers is like, hey, 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 did goon we, number two, go did, get that cat. Did we mention that his dad is like the sheriff? I don't think so. No, because it hasn't really been relevant Henry yet. Bowers' dad's the sheriff. Which is going to be relevant only for this next scene. Yeah. Well, it was relevant earlier when, like, he was in the process of bullying some kids and he saw his dad and stopped. Yeah. Yeah, but like, eh, they don't need... Anyways, eh, <laughs> uh, before Bowers can shoot this poor cat, I'm so glad it's before he can shoot the poor cat, his dad shows up uh, and takes his gun back and starts shooting around Henry's feet as Henry just, like, cowers. And then his dad mocks him and is like, doesn't take much to make a paper man crumble. And I'm like, sir, you shot at your own son. You're like, that's why this kid is the way he is. <laughs> All of the parents in this town are awful. Uh, Eddie, meanwhile, goes to the pharmacy with his arm in a cast, and this is where he learns that, like, he doesn't actually have any sicknesses. Yeah, the pharmacist's da- uh, daughter, who is also the girl who was bullying Beverly at the start of the film, is like, you know it's all placebos. And he's like, what's a placebo? And she's like, it means it's bullshit. And, he- and then she's like, nobody signed your cast. I'll shine your cast. And we see later that she wrote loser on his cast, and he has put a big uh, V over the S, so it's lover. Yes. We cut back to Bauer and his goons, and, and Bowers is just kind of sitting against his car, staring into the middle of the distance while his goons are like, you okay, bud? 
Doing all right. And without saying anything, Bowers gets up and starts walking off. So presumably, no. No, he is not all no, right. he's not all right. But uh, he's walking off because he hears some giggling uh, coming from the mailbox at the end of the street. And he makes his way towards the mailbox, and we see there is a red balloon tied to it. Uh, he checks out what's inside, and there's a package. Yes, which the balloon is tied to. And he opens it, and it's his missing switchblade. So it's his knife. He, he heads into his house. Uh, and we see his dad is sleeping in front of a TV show. And there's, like, very quietly been this, like, children's show that mentions clowns a lot. That's been in... Well, yeah, the children's show has been on the TV of, like, every adult that... Like, Beverly's dad was watching it at one point, but you could just barely see it. Or, like, he, no, Beverly's dad is going to be watching it in the next scene with Beverly's dad. Eddie's mom was watching it. Yes, Eddie's mom is watching it. Beverly's dad watches it at some point. Anyways, he's watching it as well. He's got all these beer bottles everywhere, and he's sleeping. Uh, and as Henry makes his way up to his sleeping dad, suddenly the chanting on the children's show is, like, addressing him personally. Henry, you need to kill him. Kill him, Henry. Yes, and uh, all of the TV children start chanting, kill them all, kill them all. Uh, and you can see Pennywise in the group of them, and Henry holds his switchblade up to his dad's neck and clicks the button and... Stab, stab. It, it's not even stab, stab. It's just like the blade launches itself just into <coughs> his dad's neck. Yeah. And that's rip, but well, we don't want him to rest in peace. I mean, it's... He's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's an abusive alcoholic who tries to shoot his son's feet. He's dead now. Yes. We go to Beverly. Yes, we go to Beverly, uh, who is now in... The process of packing up to leave her house. Uh, we find out later this is because she's going to go meet Bill. Because her and Bill are going to be like tag team solo each other going into the sewer without the rest of the gang. Uh, but her dad stops her before she's able to leave and starts being creepy all over her. Yes, and he's like, where are you going all prettied up sneaking around with the boys? And I'm pretty sure at this point I was just like, can we just feed him to it? Can we just... Can we just be done with this man? Yeah, he interrogates her about what she's been doing with her friends. She's like, I know what they have on their minds. Believe me, I know what they've got on their minds. Oh, it's we, so bad. And we hate them. And Beverly, or hate him. And Beverly hates him too. And he jumps on her and attacks her. But she kicks him in the nuts. And, and the face. And the face. And sprints to the bathroom where she locks the door. Yes, so her dad kicks in the door. But when he pulls aside the shower curtain, she was ready for him and had a vase? Toilet lid. Ah, toilet, toilet lid. Toilet lid, the porcelain. Gotcha, top. I didn't catch it because she's so on the ball, she just swings it and cracks him in the head. Yeah, breaking it. And we're like, whoo, good job, girl, damn. And Pennywise is also like, good job, girl, except I'm here to abduct you now. And appears out of nowhere and grabs her. Yes, this is when we go to Bill, who is looking for Beverly. So he heads to her house. He's like at their meetup spot and she hasn't shown up. Yes, yeah, so he goes to the house and spots her dad, unconscious or dead. No, he's breathing. Okay. He's alive. He's in a pool of blood. Yep. Uh, and then goes to Beverly's room where he sees on her ceiling written in blood, you die if you try. You'll die if you try, yeah. And Bill is like, gotta round up the team. Bill's like, sounds like we gotta try. And so he makes his way to the arcade and t where he finds Richie, tells Richie that it got Beverly. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, it got Beverly. And Richie's immediately like, well... I'm on board. Sign me up. Eddie gets a call, and as he goes to leave, his mom confronts him, and he's like, I know what you're doing, Mom. You've been giving me these gazebos. <laughs> yeah. And chucks him on the ground and announces he's he's not really sick and pushes past his mom and does not listen to her desperate, overbearing, it please, was all to keep you safe. Please, Eddie. Uh, uh, 
Anyways, the Losers Club assembles. Uh, they're all together on their bikes, and we see hanging from Mike's hip that he has brought the air gun for killing sheeps as well as a bunch of ammunition for it. Yes, yeah, so they reach the house on Kneebolt Street and get kitted up with assorted fence spikes and fire pokers. And, like, uh, Richie, like, breaks a bottle, but it doesn't break right, and so he's like, uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, they don't notice that Bowers is watching them from his car. Yeah, staring at them, leering. Uh, they head down into the basement and arrive at the well. One by one, begin to descend down into the dark of the sewers using a rope. Uh, and we see, after that, Beverly awaken in the sewer uh, with blood dripping down on her and around her. Yes, so she is kind of looking around, looks a bit dazed, and she comes across a literal mountain of objects. Like kids' toys and stuff. And circus yeah. things. Yeah. With a bunch of children's bodies floating in the air around it. Yeah, they're there. They're there. The floating has been promised. And as she tries to pull a door open, Pennywise starts talking to her, uh, and a different door opens, and we get the dancing Pennywise gif, which is much more troubling in the context of the film than when I see it, like, floating around on the internet. Yeah, him, like, doing, like, the can-can, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a concerning gif out of context. In the context, it's like, oh. You're like, oh, God. Uh, but she she doesn't like his performance very much, and so she tries to run away, but he, like, leaps across the room from the carriage and grabs her. Uh, and while he is trying to clearly freak her out, screaming in her face and whatnot, she tells him, I'm not afraid of you anymore. And he says, oh, but you will be. And his face, like, unfolds. It, like, peels. It, like, peels back to reveal this this toothy maw of flesh and teeth with these lights. three glowing lights at the bottom of it. The dead lights. Yes, which uh, Beverly just kind of checks right out of this plane of reality. But we go back to the well now. We'll check in with Beverly later. Oh my goodness, this movie cuts between so many people all the time. A lot of characters doing a lot of things. Uh, back at the well, uh, Mike, who is last to go down the rope, does not go down the rope because he is whacked by a now very bloody Henry Bowers, who pulls up the rope and uh, starts to taunt Mike as he kind of walks towards yeah, him. Yeah, and he mentions that he, whenever he drives past the house where Mike's parents died, he feels sad that he wasn't the one that did it. Mm. And uh, he tries to attack Mike, but Mike is able to eventually get the upper hand. Uh, right, yeah, during their struggle, sorry, first, uh, Henry Bowers does get the gun away from Mike and brings the air gun up to Mike's head, and we're all like, oh no, this is what was foretold in his first scene. Uh, but Henry misses as, as uh, Mike ducks his head. Yeah, Mike manages to, like, shove just enough that it goes to the side and, as he shoots. Yeah, misses hitting him. And the... I don't think Bowers is expecting the recoil because he kind of stumbles a little bit. And that's what gives Mike the space to, like, get up and charge and knock him down the well. Yeah, tackles him and, and Henry falls past the group because I guess they've dropped into the well, but they haven't hit Well, they've the... climbed down they've... and, like, gone into a side shaft. Into a little side shaft, yeah, but it keeps on going down a lot deeper from there. And Henry falls past them uh, down into the gloom. Yes, so while Mike starts heading down, uh, Stanley is drawn away from the crew and ends up not quite in the cistern where Beverly is, but on the way there and sees Pennywise. And the rest of the gang are like, oh, where'd he go? Start looking for him. And then it's not Pennywise that he sees the next time, but the distorted synagogue painting lady. lady. The painting lady. Uh, but she leaps at him, uh, screeching, and we don't get to see what happens to him right at this moment. But we will in about ten seconds, because the gang arrives uh, just in time to see that... The lady, which is really 
Pennywise has clamped the sides of her, like, jaw on the sides of Stanley's face and is about to eat his face. And is, like, sucking him. But does not, because no. they've arrived. Yes. Uh, so Pennywise retreats. He is, again, not a fighter, really. No, slinks into the pipes, turns back into himself to grin at them uh, before di- vanishing, and we see that Stanley, while traumatized, is still alive. Yes, so the gang is, is calming him down, and Bill sees uh, Georgie go by. So he grabs the air gun and heads after Georgie all by himself. Yeah, we hear, like, the walkie-talkie uh, noise that uh, he was using to communicate with Georgie at the start of the film. Yes, and he arrives in the cistern where he sees Beverly, who is now floating in midair, totally unresponsive. And he's like, Beverly, I'm going to come back for you, but I have to go deal with my dead little brother first. Got to go deal with, like, first things first. And so, uh... How do you prioritize this situation? (laughs) Like, oh no, my friend floating catatonic with all of these other children's bodies floating, or my dead brother who is running away from me. Like, that's a very difficult situation to prioritize. Mm -hmm. Well, and the rest of the losers are stumbling around in the sewer when they come upon just a bunch of severed heads in the water. And they're like, well, that's gross. Carry uh, on. <laughs> better run down this tunnel instead. And that tunnel takes them to the same cistern, and they find a Beverly floating in the air. And because there's more of them, they're able to get uh, Beverly down. Well, they have to, like, lift each other up to reach yeah, Beverly. Yeah, to, to reach her, and they, they pull her down. And Ben can't wake her up until he kisses her. And in fairy tale fashion, that wakes her up, and she's like, oh. <gasps> You wrote the poem. He's like, yes, and then they group hug it out. And then they have a nice, yeah, group group hug. And then we join Bill, who's on the other side of this, like, mound of kids' toys and shit. Uh, and he finds Georgie, who's, like, hiding in the corner. And Georgie starts saying about how And he's he... missing his arm in this This is, like, attacked Georgie, not totally fine Georgie. Not totally fine Georgie, yeah. And Georgie mentions that he loves him and that, like, uh, he, he wants to go home to his parents and he's... And he's sorry he couldn't keep up with the boat. He specifically says he couldn't keep up with it. And then Bill is like, you call boats she. Yes, which is why that one conversation in the first minute of the film is relevant. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I would love to take you home, Georgie. But you're not Georgie. And he takes the air gun and puts it right up to Georgie's head. Shoots him. Shoots him. And for a couple seconds, the body just lies there. And we're all like, oh no. Did he actually kill his brother? But then the body starts to... Twitch and distort and turn into Pennywise, and I hate it. I hate this scene. Yeah, his, like, limbs elongate and crack uh, open, and he stands up and jumps onto Bill, attacking him. But then all the losers are here now. Yes, and a fight ensues, and they're trying... It's They're, they're not doing super well in the fight. No. They don't really have a plan of attack. They're just grabbing him. Uh, and in the scramble, Pennywise kind of manages to, like... Uh, grab Bill in, like, a hostage situation. Yeah, and get him, isolate him from the rest of the of the losers. And he says, you know, I'm going to eat him, and then I'm going to eat all of you and, like, feed on your flesh, and it's going to be great. Or, I posit ye another possibility. Give me Bill. I will just take Bill, and all of you guys can go and on. And I'll return to hibernation, specifically. I'll, yeah, and I'll return to hibernation, and you guys can go and live fat and happy lives until you die of old age um, and forget all about this. And, and which, Bill is like, "Go, guys! It's okay. I'm not worth it." Yeah, and Bill is like, I, "I, it's not. I'm not worth it. I. This is my fault. I was the one that brought you guys down here. Like, just go." And Richie stands up and is like, "It is your fault. You like punched me in the face, and you dragged me through literal shit. You dragged me through literal shit. And, and now you, I have to kill this fucking clown." <laughs> as he grabs a baseball bat, and we're all like, "Hell yeah, beat down time!" As all the losers jump at Pennywise, and it is beat down time. Yes, and in this fight, Pennywise does assorted horrible transformations into their fears, but because they're all working 
together and they're not really afraid. He never successfully manages yeah, he's, to do anything. He's not able to gain much purchase on them. No, um, and at the very last attempt, he turns into Beverly's dad and is like, Bevy, tell me you're still my little... But before he can finish that, she's like, how about I just stab you through the mouth with some rebar instead? Yeah, so she, she stabs him and uh, Pennywise kind of retreats back towards what is another hole, another well hole in this cistern, I guess. Uh, and he makes his way up to it and jumps over the side of it and is hanging on. And Bill is like, I understand now why you couldn't kill Beverly because mm. she wasn't afraid of you. And they mm. exchange last insults and yeah. Pennywise slips yeah, away. Yeah, and Bill's like, we're not afraid of you now. Now it's you that are, af- you're the one that's afraid of us now. Uh, and Pennywise is like, fear. And then let's go and disappears into the black after his head like i don't know it's weird it's Infin- a weird infinity scene. war yeah a little bit <laughs> uh and the gang sees the dead children start to defloat they they're no longer floating defloat well they're not they don't like deflate they just start to like lower <laughs> i love it anyways uh and bill comes across georgie's very beaten up raincoat and starts to cry apparently realizing that like georgie really is dead oh. and his friends give him another group hug mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh then we move on and we see that it is now september and beverly tells the losers club they're all kind of gathered in the barrens uh that while she was knocked out uh, she doesn't remember much uh but she saw a vision of the future where they were back in that cistern except they were all older like their parents' age Uh, at which point bill stands and makes everybody make a blood oath yeah picks up a bit of glass yeah and he's like if pennywise isn't dead and ever comes back they'll all come back too yes to deal with it uh so they are all bloody, hold their hands in a little circle, and then Blood Oath made, the gang starts to split up until it's just Bill and Beverly. And we learn that Beverly is moving to Portland to live with her aunt. Yeah, probably forever, because let's be real, not much for her and Derry. Yeah, mm-hmm. except her abusive father, who's yeah. terrible and should be eaten by yeah. Pennywise. Yeah, and so she says goodbye, and uh, Bill sits there by himself for a moment, but then is like, wait, no, this is a Hollywood movie. We need to end on a smooch. And so he goes and chases her and kisses her. And they have a smooch. And then the film ends and says, It, chapter one. And Tom was like, this was really exciting in the theater. And I was like, okay. It was, because we didn't know. And then when it was chapter one, everybody in the theater was like, so that was it chapter one uh hope you guys enjoyed us breaking it down it was a bit of a tough one kind of long and like a lot of jumping in between scenes so if we missed anything uh sorry we couldn't add any more i think to this podcast ah golly it was uh but we still have to because we have to do the ratings gotta try yeah yeah so now uh yeah we're gonna assign it some ratings so vicky scale of one to ten how well made was this movie i'm gonna give it a nine honestly it's like it's really really well done um it does occasionally suffer from the horror movie it's in the dark so it's hard to see which is really my only critique but like the acting is done really well the special effects are really good like it's a well put together film yeah i'm also gonna give it a nine because yeah it's it's got good uh cinematography great shots the acting is phenomenal the children the child actors are all amazing uh i love bill skarsgård as uh pennywise and yeah i i enjoy it so now on a scale of one to ten how much do you like it how much did you enjoy it probably like a seven like it was a it was a good film i enjoyed it had some funny lines some some funny snickers i very much did not enjoy the long arm with a hand on it that part particularly i don't like but like on the whole it was like a good film i enjoyed enjoyable experience yeah i'm gonna give it an eight uh i think it's pretty good 
pretty good horror movie. I enjoy it. Uh, I loved it when it first came out, but uh, upon repeat viewings, you know, uh, there are some things where I think they could have done scenes differently to make it a little scarier, like whatever, tiny little niggly nitpicks. Uh, but as far as a Stephen King like adaptation goes, I think the only better one in my brain is The Shining. We gotta cover The Shining one day on this yeah, podcast. So, so yeah, I think uh, a solid eight. I enjoy it. It's now on a scale of one to ten. How spooky? How scary? I'm gonna give this one a five because like again I think I would be much more scared if I was one of the people who is afraid of clowns but I have never found clowns scary at all so like Pennywise particularly I don't find scary I find the things he turns into scary like again the arm I cannot tell you how much I hate the stupid fucking long arm um there's a couple of other transformations and I'm like like the like dead zombie children I'm not a fan of um but like yeah so five there are some moments that are very scary for me or like the headless corpse running that one freaked me out Uh, like easter egg kid yeah Yeah. but like as the central villain clown pennywise i didn't find scary which to be fair is sort of a central that's the core of the spooky yeah and 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 that's what i mean if i was afraid of clowns Mm -hmm. i would be much more afraid yeah but i'm not so i'm like weird sewer clown for me, I'm going to give it a four, because while I was not personally spooked and scared, I was in fact delighted the entire way through. Every time I watch it, I'm like, hee-hee, I'm like a kid in a fucking candy store. I, I love it. Um, so it's not circus, perhaps? Yes, child of the circus. Um, so it's not particularly scary for me, but I 100% understand how it could be scary for others, so that's what I'm going to have to give it. Uh, you got anything else? No, I think that's it for ratings. So join us next time uh, where we do another old classic. We're going to watch Bela Lugosi's 1931 Dracula. Get some original vampire in on. Have we done a vampire film yet? Uh, no. I don't think we have. This, yeah. is, this is like the first one. This is the original, the OG. Yeah. In the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, you can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at Scaredy Podcasts. Because we're a podcast with cats, you probably heard their jingling. Yeah, jingly creatures. Well, I mean, we specifically put bells on them so they jingle so we're alerted to mischief. So that we can hear when they're up on the piano calling you out. Marie. Marie. She's like sleeping in a chair, totally oblivious of this conversation. Little jerk. In the meantime, I'm your co-host, Vicky Sotvet. And I'm your regular host, Thomas J. Sotvet. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Be cool to each other. (laughs) 